Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. She broke up with me. What do I do? Can she come back? How can I get her back? I can't. I can't get her to talk to me. It's all so fucked up. I feel like crying. She gave me a pen. I gave her my heart, and she gave me a pen. Welcome back. You are listening to Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the absurd. Tonight's episode, Say Anything. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from my basement, as always, my name is Don. And to my right, we have the professor, Ken. I got a question. If you guys know so much about women, how come you're here like at a gas and sip on a Saturday night, completely alone, drinking beers with no women anywhere? By choice. A choice. A conscious choice. And to my left, we have our comic book guy, John. Feeling the love today. <laughs> All right. So how are you guys doing? <laughs> doing good. Yeah. And you you look cranky. Are you cranky? Why are you cranky? Um, I think we'll get into that. I can see by the look in his eyes, ladies and gentlemen, that I don't think he really cared for daggers. Uh, uh, say anything. You know I don't I mean? think I have anything good to say about say anything, but we'll have to see. And I'm going to apologize ahead of time to our listeners or a listener who likes this movie because I may poop all over it. But each of us have had an opportunity to do that to other movies, and we have done that to other movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am curious to hear why. Cause, me, t- um, me too. You know, it say anything is... Uh, one of those 80 nostalgia movies, you know what I mean? And it, you know. But does it so, hold up? We'll talk about it. All okay. right. We'll talk about it. All right. So tonight we are here talking about Say Anything, which was released on April 14th, 1989. It was directed by Cameron Crowe. It was written by Cameron Crowe. And it stars John Cusack, Ioni Sky, and John Mahoney. The reason why we are talking about saying anything tonight is because we pulled it out of the Bronco helmet and it was one of our fan submissions by Tatiana. Uh, this is her second film. The first film that we reviewed was The Breakfast Club. And here tell she's got some classics in there, so we look forward to that. Thanks to Tatiana for throwing it into the uh, Bronco helmet. And when John offends you, just know, well, opinions are like assholes. Everyone has them, and everyone's stinks. So how'd this movie do in the box office? Uh, this movie was made for $16 million and it brought in $22 million. So, I mean, in the plus, I guess? And it was Cameron Crowe's uh, directing debut. Cameron Crowe's a well-known director and writer, and he's actually written and directed some uh, really good flicks. You well, know? Won an Oscar. For Jerry Maguire? No, sir. Almost Famous? Yes, sir. Uh, screenplay? Screenplay. Yep. Yeah, how, yeah. how many awards did this movie win? Probably none. It was made in 1989. Uh, you know, it's Cameron Crowe's first outing. He had uh, he got this film because he uh, wrote Fast Times at Richmond High. And Fast Times at Richmond High went on to, you know, do something at the box office. And so uh, on that strength, he gets to uh, write and direct this one. And I got to say, uh, in my opinion, it 
I don't think it's as bad as this guy over here is making it, but you know, it's certainly not a perfect film, but I found it entertaining. Yeah. It was a movie that was a part of my uh, young adult life. Uh, I graduated and several years later I'm hanging with all my people, you know, you have your weekends, Friday nights and stuff like that. And so this was definitely one of those movies that we went out and saw as a big group. And, uh, and it ended up being something that, my circle of friends uh, would go on to quote and and, uh, and draw back on. Right on. Nin- right on. That's awesome. 1989. Don, did you see this movie back when it first came out? Uh, I probably saw this movie on VHS. So um, I didn't go to the theater and see it, I can tell you that. But I'm saying like maybe you saw it around a few years after it came out then or around that era? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd say because this was my first time seeing it. And I'd heard a lot about it. I had seen clips of it. I'd seen the boombox scene, things like that. You know, so I'm wondering if my feelings about this movie have to do with the fact that I'm seeing it today in today's, you know, day and age. Um, That's certainly possible. And... um, you know, we, we have to be conscious of that when we watch movies now. And, and that's too bad. But, I mean, that's the world we live in. And, you know. Well, it comes down to, what you know, like the Blazing Saddles. You know, if you have fond memories of that movie and you watch it again today, yeah, it, it's hard to hold up today, but you still enjoy it because of the fond memories that you have. Since I don't have any fond memories of this movie as being the first time I'm seeing it, I judge it based off of today. I, I get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so let's talk about this cast a little bit. Uh, John Cusack, are you guys fans of John Cusack? I've I've loved John Cusack in most everything else I've seen him in. Better Off Dead, just a fantastic movie. I mean, I I laugh hard every time I see Better Off Dead. Not this, not so much this movie. Yeah, no, we we get that. You you, you didn't like it. Uh, Better Off Dead was fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. I want my two dollars. We quote two dollars. Yeah. We quote that movie at home all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, John Cusack. I'm a fan of John Cusack, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure this is why uh, Tatiana likes it because she's a huge fan of uh, John Cusack. So I wouldn't be surprised if we got Con Air in the helmet, too. Do you know who also is a huge fan of John Cusack? Who's that? Joan Cusack. Uh, his sister? Because he puts her in everything. Really? I can't. I don't remember the last thing that they were in together. Were they in Gross Point Blank together? She, I'm sure she, she yes. had some role. Yes, she was. She was his secretary. That's awesome. I I, uh, I smiled when I saw mm-hmm. Joan Cusack. I like Joan Cusack. I like Joan Cusack. Uh, I own Ioni Sky. I mean, I don't think she did anything after this. She did very few things. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I think she went into TV. Oh, is that right? I was trying to do a little research on her to figure out what else she's been in. The only thing I could find was at the time of this movie, she was dating the lead singer from Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, Anthony Kiedis. Mm-hmm. Did I get that right? I, I believe think, so. I think I nailed that. Awesome. <laughs> now, John Mahoney. Yeah, let's talk about John Mahoney for a second. Love him. Yeah, he's a great actor. You know, and I when as soon as I see John Mahoney, the first thing I think about is him being Frazier's dad. Mm-hmm. Right? So he's already at that age. This is a younger John Mahoney. Mm-hmm. And... We'll get into it later, but I, I, the twist kind of threw me for a loop. So well, it really threw me off to see him as a nice guy in this movie, at least for the first, you know, 75% of this movie. Because in Frasier, he's not that same character, and you're so used to him as his Frasier character. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And then I'm trying to think what else. I mean, he's been in fucking everything, mm-hmm. right? Well, what else? Well, the one thing that I know him for is he's the general in Iron Giant. Where's the giant, Mansley? Oh yeah, yeah, the voice. 
This movie was produced by James L. Brooks. What else did he go on to do? Anybody? Broadcast news. And he's really famous for a certain TV show that's been on since. Oh, yeah. What what show is that? The Simpsons. Right, right. right. He helped create The Simpsons. So, I mean, apparently he said that this movie was inspired when he saw a man walking with his daughter and wondered what would happen if the father committed a crime. <laughs> that's just kind of a weird abstract thought to think of a father and daughter walking yeah totally and but he used it right mm-hmm. i mean it, it it's certainly there in the fucking flick and i mean it's been so long since i had seen it i didn't remember any of that really mm-hmm. so i mean i guess you could say this was the first time i've seen it um inspiration of, comes from anywhere yeah I guess. I guess so i guess so yeah so now looking at the casting of this we were just talking about uh some of the people that were originally they originally wanted for the movie like Robert Downey Jr., they wanted him for Lloyd originally. Interesting. I could see him in this role. I could see him pulling it off. Isn't he all coked up in 89, though? That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. Uh, who else? Uh, Jennifer Connelly. They wa- originally wanted her to play I- uh, Iona Skye's part, Diana. Oh. Diane, Diane. Diane, Diane Court. Court. <laughs> You're going to ask Diane Court out? Um, yeah, interesting. Uh, who else did they... There was someone else that we were going to... Well, the big one, I thought, too, was who they were looking at to play Diane's father. Um, the two characters they were looking at was Dick Van Dyke and Richard Dreyfus. I don't know if I could see Dick Van Dyke doing it, although it might have been interesting to see him play that role. But Richard Dreyfus, I think, could have pulled it off. Maybe. Um, I think at the end of the day, John Mahoney works. Yeah, and I, that's who I see in this role. You I know, can't see anybody else really taking it on. Right, and the way the character shakes out, I think mm-hmm. John Mahoney was the right choice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, right on. Um, I guess uh, Roger and Ebert said, honesty is at the core of saying anything, but dishonesty is there too. And the movie is the story of how a young woman is able to weather a terrible storm and be stronger and better afterward." I, you know, I looked at that line and I don't get the last part of it about how she weathered the storm and came out stronger afterwards. We don't get to see that. The movie practically ends with her visiting him in the jail and then getting on the plane and flying away. We don't know how emotionally cracked up she is at this point. I mean, she's letting this guy that she barely knows, she's only known him for a summer, ride her coattails all the way to England. So, I mean, she's, she's obviously messed up. Yes, obviously. Because who in their right mind would take a chance on love? I didn't take it that way. I took it that she was stronger. The fact that she was willing to leave her father and go and do her future and not wait for his future. I didn't, I didn't take it like you did either, John, and I can't wait to get into that. So we'll get into that when we get to the okay. end. All right. I've, so, I've got a few things to say about that and we'll revisit it. Yeah. Oh, I, I fucking am counting on it. So yeah, there you go. Uh, what do you guys think? Should we just jump right in and that way we can get talking about why he hates this fucking movie so much? I'm curious. I got to know. Is yeah, it going to yes, be a zero? Please. You'll have to wait and see. I, what, do you want to take bets? Uh, the professor and I no, are going to take a No, I'm over- not going to take that bet. Oh, but, come on, dude. But my review will come last. Uh, your review will come when I say it comes. So you got to give that. me at least two minutes. That's what she said. That's fair. <laughs> at the end of their senior year of high school, noble underachiever Lloyd Doppler falls for valedictorian Diane Court and plans to ask her out, though they belong to different social groups. Lloyd's parents are stationed in Germany for the Air Force, 
So he lives with his sister Constance, a single mother, and has no plans yet for his future. Diane comes from a sheltered academic upbringing, living with her doting divorced father Jim, who owns the retirement home where she works. She will take up a prestigious fellowship in Britain at the end of the summer. Lloyd offers to take Diane to their graduation party. She agrees, to everyone's surprise. Their next date is a dinner at Diane's where Lloyd fails to impress Jim, and the Internal Revenue Service informs the latter he is under scrutiny. Dun, dun, dun. It opens, and we're at graduation, and I kept thinking to myself, I thought this was a high school-based movie. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, I mean, they just graduated, and they're not in high school anymore, so not really a high school flick, kind of, right? Not really. Yeah. So, uh, you know what I loved about the graduation scene? Uh, the camcorder shot. The camcorder shot. Absolutely. Remember how big those fuckers were? Yeah. I yeah. used to have one that was even bigger. And I used to, you know, I took it to high school with me to carry around and actually videotape stuff. <laughs> so I was that guy. Of course you were. <laughs> I was wondering if there might have been an eight millimeter somewhere in that ocean of cameras. Oh, I wouldn't doubt it. I wouldn't doubt it. Uh, so we are introduced to, do we do the graduation first or do we go into the... We get a little bit, I think, of the introduction first and him talking about wanting to ask her out, I think, That's before right. they get to the graduation. That's right. Let me start there. Now, I, w- I will give it. credit to this movie that it kind of flips things around a little bit. I mean, it starts out kind of with the John Hughes feel, and that's the whole movie kind of gives like a John Hughes feel, but not not the great lines that we expect from a John Hughes movie. Um, the dialogue, I don't think, was on par. But it, it kind of flips things around in that usually in these type of movies, we either have a jock who, you know, is interested in a nerdy girl or you have kind of a guy who's a nerdy guy, he's picked on, he's bullied, and he wants to go out with the queen of the school. In this case, we got Lloyd who kind of is a little bit nerdy, kind of a little bit of an outcast, but everybody seems to love him. And you've got the girl who's, you know, the beautiful princess at the school who nobody really knows, but she's super popular. Everybody loves her. So it's kind of flipping things around in our usual teen drama movies. Uh, yeah. And um, I wouldn't say she's super popular. I would say that she's super known. Exactly. Um, yeah, and, you but, know what I mean? But everybody even talks about how she's out of the reach of everybody. Yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. She's the unicorn. And, right. And, yeah. So, and though we open up with, uh, Cusack's character, Lloyd and his two uh, female friends, um, Corey and DC, Corey and DC. And I like that bit that they go back and forth. And I like the fact that he says, uh, I'm going to ask Diane Cord out. Right. And he, and he's very confident about it. And they're even like, no, dude, you can't do it. Or how, how are you going to even get it done? This is where my first sticking point comes with this movie you got two friends. Obviously, they're very close friends of his because he hangs out with them a lot in the movie. And the first thing they do is tell him he's not good enough for her. Yeah. That she's out of his league. And so there's either two reasons for that. They really believe that. Or they're pulling the female friend card of, well, this is my backup guy and I don't want him to go after any other girls. Um, I think that they're just trying to protect him. And because they that's don't. That's how I took it. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's how normal people. But you think they kind of encourage him to at least go and try. No, well, Especially if they both I, thought he was a great catch. Well, they do because they know him, right? But they don't. And to be fair to them, they don't know Diane either. Mm-hmm. All they know is what they see, just like everyone else. So by them saying, uh, you'll never get her, you'll never get her. If they're trying to set him up that if he doesn't have any uh, hope, then what's he got? I mean, he, he won't get hurt. 
Yeah, but right. So then he won't even try. But he's so determined to try, he's going to prove him wrong. Yeah, but the way friends they, are wrong all the time. The way, I deal with you every single fucking day. The way they put it to him is is people like her don't date people like you. Yeah, that's a that's not a very friend kind of thing to say. Uh, it's probably the most friend thing to say because you can be that brutally honest. If you can't hear that, then that's on you, right? I mean, but if if I was really looking out for you and there was someone in your life that I didn't think you could, you know, for whatever reason, I would hope that you would hear that from me. I don't know. I think I would encourage my friends to live their dreams. Well, that's you're a different person. So One full of hope and promise. Not particularly. Um, so I didn't have a problem with this uh, this go around. I thought it was uh, I thought it was fine. I thought it was a good introduction to Lloyd, and you know now we know that we can already tell that he's uh, better friends with females than he is with males. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. there you go. And then we get to the graduation. Did you like Lloyd's graduation picture? Do you remember what he did? Oh my gosh, that was so funny. Yeah. So again, so how about being a supportive friend here? He wants to take a picture with the girl he can never get, and she takes the picture, right? Yeah, as he's running behind and kind That's of. That's just bad timing. It's like a stalker, you know, he's stalking behind her. Then, well, maybe, but I mean, it was still bad. It's just bad timing. He wasn't ready. She didn't take the picture at the right second. It was meant to be funny. Yeah, it, it, you know, it's funny in a way, but if you also think about it, this is a guy who saw her at the mall, kind of either, I don't know how he, he says he had lunch with her at the mall. She doesn't even remember who he is. So now he wants a picture with her. So he's running behind her for a picture. You're not getting a stalker vibe at all from him. No, dude, you were way overthinking things. He's, he's a kid with a crush. Yeah, a crush, a stalker crush. So you've never, you've it's never. It's more of an obsession than a, than a crush. Uh, this is really normal behavior in high school. I never stalked anybody in high school. But it's really normal behavior in high school because there's so little other experiences to draw upon. So after the graduation, uh, we meet his sister and kind of his living situation. And we know that uh, through the narrative, they tell us that, uh, well, it was funny at first. Uh, I was watching it with Elise because she has this big fondness for 80s movies. And uh, we see Joan Cusack and then John Cusack walks in and I'm thinking to myself, there's no way she's playing his mom, right? That actually went through my effort. I, I couldn't I remember. The same thing. Yeah. And then they say, you know, then he says, you know, mom and dad are in Germany. I went, oh, it makes sense now. Uh, but we do learn that she is a single mom and they are living, uh, they all live together and mm-hmm. he's being this uh, uncle. And He's clearly close with his nephew. Yeah. The nephew knows how to be an electric guitar. Yeah. I love that bit. You kind of get the impression that, you know, his maturity level is almost on the same par as the nephew. Uh, maybe. He's the fun uncle, which is which is great. I'm not knocking that. He, he's the fun uncle. But then you get the sister who's talking to him like she is his mom. Yeah, well, she's probably had to raise him, if you mm-hmm. think about it. Um, I don't know if we need a backstory or a movie about it, but I'm sure their upbringing being uh, in a military family, they probably moved a lot and they probably had to rely on each other. So, yeah, she probably mm-hmm. did take a motherly role. This made me think about a lot of the teen movies that came out in the 80s and the 90s. And I'm thinking not many of them had a really good parent, like two parents, loving parents kind of thing. Most of them, like one of the parent was gone or both parents were gone. Yeah. And I I think they have to have that or the film would always have someone to come to the rescue. Yeah. Right. So do either one of you experience in your childhood 
in your younger years of taking the telephone off someplace and you're sitting there pacing around and swinging the cord around as you're trying to gather the courage to talk? Yes, 100%. That Boy, I, I totally related to that moment. Yeah, so he, he, he decides to call Diane, right? And he does, and he asks her out, uh, but she's not home. And so this is where we meet again. He gets, he gets dad. He gets dad. And so dad starts, I love what, is this the guy with the Dotson? Well, I gotta, I gotta appreciate his level of confidence. Just outright calling her. Yeah. You know, that, that is, that is some balls. That takes some balls to do. Have you never called a girl either? Not like that. Just not outright. I would talk to her at school first before I would just pick up a phone and call some girl who doesn't even know me. Wow. No, I got my rejections at school, not over the phone. Oh, well, I've got them in both. So there you go. And then after that, then the dad, he gets the good news for Diane. Diane's going to. She won the scholarship. Right. So she gets a fellowship and she's going to go to school in England. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's got to be pretty exciting. Uh, And then we also find out that she doesn't like flying. And I could relate to that bit. So, you know, we kind of get a we kind of get a a view of what uh, their relationship is like, uh, dad and daughter. And uh, I got to admit, uh, uh, like for 75% of the film, I was really enjoying their relationship. I thought that they had honest conversations and I thought it was the um, chemistry between the two actors really worked. And, and I really dug it. I really fell for it. And then, yeah, it, it just kind of took a turn. Did you not feel like maybe she was living a, a really sheltered life and that he was kind of running the show? Yeah, but that was the point. They were supposed, they were supposed to tell you that. So you, you kind of said that they had that really good relationship, a healthy relationship, but it seemed like he made all the decisions and he kind of decided what was good for her. Uh, he gave his opinion, but at the end of the day, he there, cause there's a scene where they talk about it and he, he lets her do what she wants. Yeah. Right. right. And that, and that's the open, the honest conversations that they had, which is what I was talking about. Yeah. Well, I mean, I appreciate that, you know, he gave her a lot of trust and faith when he kind of let her go off to that party and show up at dawn and, you know, whenever she, he kind of gave her some of that freedom, but you also got the impression, you know, from what her talking about how she didn't know any of these people in high school that she'd focus on her academics. And then he kind of, you know, kept saying, this is what we've worked for. This is what we've worked for. This is what we need. You know, we've wanted, you know, this was kind of his dream of what she was doing. You can, you can see it as it being controlling or whatever, but at some point she has to want it too. Right. Uh, she wants to achieve. She wants to make him proud. She wants to she's the one that chose to do all that. Right. Uh, we don't know if she objected and I don't care. Um, so, yeah, uh, I uh, her character introduction is, yeah, she's very sheltered. A hundred percent. I think this is a story of both of them just kind of growing up. So uh, Diane returns the phone call. And after she returns the phone call, I love that little bit. I'll go. I'll go. It's like she's talking herself into it. Well, I love she's that. totally talking herself into it. I like how in the beginning of the call, she's doing everything she can to basically say no to him. Yep. And then he kind of just keeps going, going, and he wears down her defenses. She's like, okay, I'll go. Yeah. Yeah. That is, it shows again how confident he is and how much he really believes in this. I mean, it, he's got a crush, maybe obsessed, but and the, and then, it's healthy for him. And then what does she do after she hangs up? She goes and looks him up in the yearbook. Oh, that was so funny. No, after he had just said that they had this date at the mall, she doesn't even know who he is. Yeah. And, but she admits it. At least she's honest. Right. And again, she's taking a leap of faith. And then when she looks it up, she kind of has that expression like, eh. I thought that was hilarious that she had to go look up the. <laughs> um, we totally skipped over the fact that this is supposed to take place in Seattle. 
Oh. Did you go to Snowset? True that. I did enjoy seeing them driving around some of the locations around, you know, our local lo- locations. Yeah, but there were, you didn't fucking notice, but there were no. a lot of, there were a lot of shots that were not Seattle. And uh-huh. I got to tell you that. Yeah, we'll get there. Yeah, only no. Two. The first thing I noticed was the, uh, the four statues. I forget what they're called. Do you remember the name of them? Uh, the people waiting for the bus. Yeah, there, I can't remember. Yeah, I saw those. There's a name I have it written down. But anyway, he passes that during the what, driving to the graduation. So yeah. that's the first time right there, because Julie and I were talking about while we we're watching this movie, this looks like it might be filmed in Seattle. And as soon as they drew by, well, we knew exactly where they were. Yeah, well, he does drive by a sign that says Seattle too. Yeah. So <laughs> Elise asked me, she goes, is that sign still there? Because I think it was over the Aurora Bridge, I think. And uh, I said, uh, no, but... This was filmed back in 88. So, I mean, things mm-hmm. change, right? But yeah, I thought that was pretty cool that it was filmed in Seattle. And did you see who one of the music supervisors was? I'm not going to look at you anymore because I know you didn't look. Uh, professor, no? No. Nancy Wilson. Of oh, Heart fame. really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Lending, uh, you know, helping out with representing Seattle. So Lloyd calls her. She uh, calls him back. She, they'll go on the date. So they go to the party. And then, uh, as soon as they get to the party, I really, I felt that the, uh, the key master bit, I thought that was pretty clever. You know, you don't see that too much. They made it into a, a good bit. And, uh, did you guys notice who the owner or whose party it was? It's Eric Stoltz. Yeah. I was gonna say Eric Stoltz oh, from, right. from yeah. mask and, uh, some kind of wonderful. And so they get to the, uh, party and do you notice that they split up and they don't even, it's yeah. not like, yeah, even they don't hang out too much at the party. Yeah. Uh, have you ever been to a high school party like that? No, I never got to do one of those. You know me. Yeah. Uh, I have. And so, I mean, they seem to nail it pretty well. Uh, and is that his mom that comes home or the, no, chick? she's a guidance counselor. She just came to the party. Baby new earth. Yeah. Yeah, she's the guidance counselor. I think it was just to push the story along, to basically let us know again he has no direction, he has no goal in life. So here's my question. If she's the guidance counselor, and they've just graduated from high school, 18, 19 maybe, and they're like kegs over there, and they're taking keys, and I mean, is she condoning this? (laughs) Curious thought. And then I thought to myself, when did they uh, raise the drinking age to 21? I don't remember. I don't remember either. I feel like I was alive when it happened, though. So I don't know, but I figured at the graduation when that guy was singing on stage, that at that point you realize the faculty is just going to condone anything. Yeah, or just wash their hands of it because yeah. they're not technically at that school anymore. So, yeah, so they don't yeah. care. So, anyways, uh, the guidance counselor shows up, and you're right. I think it is to you know show that he doesn't know what he wants to do right now what he's doing is he's living in the moment right and mm-hmm. he's you know walking around the party doing this that and the other and the reception that diane got uh, i think really surprised her right because everyone was really nice to her i assumed walking into that party people were going to be snickering and talking shit and you know just being fucking bitches well i love that everybody was asking her did you really come here with lloyd and then everybody was asking lloyd how did you get diane to come with you yeah yeah then she gets to meet Corey, and Corey is uh putting on a concert i love she, uh, 65 songs 65 songs i love that little bit that was pretty good joe um cameron crow also notable for soundtracks i'm just throwing it out there he's had some really good soundtracks mm-hmm. um so yeah but, but that also gives us um what could be potentially foreshadowing what could happen 
that maybe, you know, as Lloyd progresses with his sorrowful time, that maybe he's going to end up like Corey. Yeah. Tormented, tortured. Uh, so they stay at the party. Everyone seems to leave. He's no longer the key master, but he's got one Once, set of keys. Mm-hmm. And so then we're introduced to this character that we're never shown again. <laughs> I guess he was just a throwaway character. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine reading the script and going, oh, I'm the guy that gets drunk, gets a ride home with the, uh, with the, with the two main stars, and then I'm never seen again. It's time. almost like the director lost a bet and had to put this guy in the movie. Oh, that's funny. I didn't think about it like that. <laughs> hey, that's it. That's my house. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, uh, but you got to think about like what their first date was like, and it's amazing that he got a second date after that. Well, he made her laugh, yeah. and you know, it she... was the, well, it was the glass thing that she said later on that impressed her so much. Yeah, yeah, and they but, ma- yeah. they ma- and they make it because they're walking home. Right. And uh, there's broken glass. And you know what Elise said to me? She said, why did he kick it? Why didn't they just walk around it? <laughs> and I said, it was the gesture, honey. <laughs> he was trying to, you know, protect her in his own weird way, I guess. But I would have done the same thing. I would have kicked the glass, get it out of their way. You so, probably would have said something after she walked over. Oh, watch out. Uh, there, sir, I think you would be wrong. But. You know, what do I know? So he walks her home and he does. He does get the second date and she says, I'll call you tomorrow. And I like the bit about, he says, today is tomorrow. You know, so again, not giving up, you know. Stalking. Or just, have you ever liked somebody? Yeah, but not that obsessive. How is that obsessive? How is it obsessive? Uh, Just that he's so pushy with it. That You know, they're going to have a second date. He's going to call her. Now, again, I'm being a little facetious on this part. That's not as obsessive as some of the other things in the movie. Okay. So I'll give you that. I'm just kind of... The whole whole character of Lloyd uh, is just, you know, seems a little over the top for this girl. Interesting. Interesting. I I knew guys like that in high school. Yeah. I, I've watched my friends go through these kinds of relationships yeah. in my in my young days. I knew guys like that too, and they have restraining orders against them. None of mine do. Okay. Yeah. And, and they're still in my life. And can you back that up? The restraining orders? Yeah. I can do it with at least one. Uh, so yeah, he gets the second date, and the second date is at their house. They're going to... Uh, uh, Lloyd's going to come over for dinner, and he uh, gets to meet or reenact with uh, the dad. You know, have you yeah. ever had an awkward first meeting of the parental units? Uh, yes. Have you? Oh yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. You didn't? Did you? Did you feel uh, Lloyd's uh, pride when he was bowing in the street after the date was over? I did like that. I I thought that was cute. I thought that was funny when she was saying that, you know, I don't even know if he's going to call me again or whether he had a good time or not. And the dad just opens up the curtain. There he is bowing. So I thought that was a cute, cute little scene. Felt again, very John Hughes. Yeah. So, and then during their uh, dinner party, can we talk about (laughs) what did you think of that moment when um, Diane is trying to pick her dress and uh, Lloyd picks up the dictionary. Oh yeah. And we see all of the words that she has looked up over the course of time. I know. I mean, I was, as she does it, I was thinking, Oh, how is she marking them? But they did such a clever job with, you know, the X's on the end of the page and they made it really easy for us to see that she's a complete overachiever and very academic. Um, you know, so, but I mean, Lloyd probably should have asked her permission to look through that though. Right, John? 
Just being a little bit stalkerish. Well, I see overboard. it more of just another another thing that they threw in the movie to kind of give you the impression that they're in two different leagues. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, yeah, another and problem. he's and I think that he's very intimidated by it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly why it's in there, and and it is also I think revealing that when you have a relationship where you just you know you're infatuated, you're in love, obsessed. It comes down to it doesn't matter where you're at. Two people are together because they want to be together because that's how they feel. The heart wants what the heart wants. Yeah. One person calls it obsessed and one person takes it as it being love. Who, who are you to say it's obsession? I mean, and, and not love. You, you're not the character. You don't know what they're feeling. Their job is to make you try and feel that. So apparently they didn't do it. They made you feel the complete opposite watching it through today's lenses and okay, whatever. But I mean, I don't, yeah, this is a different time. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I took it as him being in love and wanting to, he wanting to things progress. He's got his second date and, you know, I thought it was kind of classy that she was, you know, asking him for, um, advice on the dress and Mm -hmm. his answers were so, I like that one. I like that one because it didn't matter. It didn't matter what she was going to wear. I mean, she was going to look good to him. And, you know, if if that's a crime, send him to jail. So what do you think of when the father asked him what his life goals were and his response? I thought that was so funny. I thought that was witty dialogue. I don't want to buy anything processed. I don't want to sell anything processed. I'm blah, 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 blah. I thought it was a good bit. What about the part where his first response was, I plan on spending every waking moment of the summer with your daughter. Just being honest. You didn't feel that was a little obsessive? No. No. Okay. No, I've, because I, I, have, I have felt that many times when I had my crushes on, you know, girls. I and feel, he just said it. He just, I mean, we've all felt it, well, except for John. And he just had the balls to say it. You know I, what I, mean? this, I never once took it at being stalkery. I think he wants to spend every waking moment because he, he likes this girl so much. I just feel like that if I was the father of a daughter... And the first time I'm meeting this guy, he says something like that to me. Red flags would be going off thinking, is this guy obsessed with my daughter? What, what's going on emotionally with this guy that he wants to spend every single moment with her? Um, I need to watch this more carefully. That is, well, he, that is young love. Well, and it is the second, it's, it's the second time he's second met date him. date is a little early for young love. It's a crush at this point. I wouldn't call it love at this point. We don't know how long he's had a crush on her. Since the mall. Well, I think it, I think it goes before that too. I think it's been mm. a long time. But this is the sec- I mean, he this is the second time they talk. This is the second time they met uh, meet. The first time oh. is when he picks her up, right? So he automatically is going to know if he likes him or not. That that's just what dads do. You know, if if he had a bad feeling about him or a gut feeling out of the gate, he knew he was a little odd. And so he he takes everything he says with a grain of salt and he lets him get it out uh i don't know if there was a uh i don't know if it would be a red flag for me um i guess it depends on the situation so i got the initial impression that the father didn't like him because he kind of looked at his car and looked at the way he was dressed and kind of i got the impression that he thought that lloyd was a little below his daughter he thought what all fathers of daughters think you are not you're not good enough for my daughter yeah so i thought he played that perfectly and then during all of this uh the irs came in and I thought, oh, that's kind of a weird subplot to throw into this. Yeah. And, you know, I just had to see where it took us. 
You know, it's funny with this whole IRS thing, the fact that we have recently watched Catch Me If You Can, when I saw the IRS show up, I kept thinking, oh, are they just messing with him? Are they just screwing with him? Because this poor guy, you know, probably, you know, didn't pay enough on his tax or something, and they're just taking him through the ringer. So at no time did I think, you know, they were after him for a real reason. Yeah, I... um. I, I wasn't sure where they were going with it. It, it actually kind of came out of left field. Yeah, and I also thought it was kind of a weird, like this movie is supposed to be about this budding romance between these two individuals, and now we've got this whole subplot with the dad and the IRS. Yeah. So it was just a little odd to me. Well, it, it was still necessary because it is the impetus for having her break with her father. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But we don't know this at the time. Yeah, I True. didn't, I didn't True. see it coming. Yeah. Diane introduces Lloyd to the retirement home residence, and he teaches her to drive her manual transmission for Tempo graduation gift. They grow closer and become intimate to her father's concern. Lloyd's musician best friend, Corey, who has never gotten over her cheating ex-boyfriend, Joe, warns him to take care of Diane. Jim urges Diane to break up with Lloyd, feeling he is not an appropriate match and suggests she gives Lloyd a pen as a parting gift. Worried about her father, Diane tells Lloyd she wants to stop seeing him and concentrate on her studies, giving him the pen. Devastated, he seeks advice from Corey, who tells him, be a man. Meanwhile, Jim discovers the IRS cut off his credit when his credit cards were declined as the investigation drags on. At dawn, Lloyd plays In Your Eyes by Peter Gabriel, which was playing when they became intimate on a boombox, standing under her open bedroom window. The next day, Diane meets with the IRS investigator, who says they have evidence incriminating Jim with embezzling funds from his retirement home residence. He suggests she accepts the fellowship as matters with her father will worsen. All right, so now things are getting uh, a little bit more serious between Diane and Lloyd. Uh, they are becoming to, they're starting to spend more time together. And uh, I like this bit when she takes him to the retirement home and he's got to introduce Cocoon, another movie about uh, elderly people. <laughs> I know. When, when we were watching this movie and I was talking with Julie about it, she didn't know what Cocoon was. And I was like, he's showing him a movie about elderly people getting ready to die in an old folks home and then they go on to try to live their life and so i thought that's a little odd movie to be showing them wait have you ever seen cocoon yes they get taken off world to be young and live forever i know but it starts out with them just waiting to die they're all basically old and right but no you energy. left out the part where they don't and they go with the aliens <laughs> spoiler alert to anyone who's seen cocoon uh, again your glass is so fucking empty dude i don't know what's wrong with you Cocoon is not available for purchase anywhere. Pop quiz, Hot Shots, who directed Cocoon? Ron Howard. Well done, Professor. Well done. Yeah. Uh, Why isn't it available for rent? Has something to do with uh, rights. Interesting. Um, I've only seen Cocoon once, and I remember not really caring for it. So. Yeah, I, I, I was underwhelmed. Lloyd starts to participate and help out with her at the retirement home, which, you know, I think is pretty sweet. He, yeah, he, he is he is trying to make himself uh, more cherished and coveted for Diane. Right, right. He, he's doing what he thinks will make her happy, mm-hmm. you know, so he, he's being that guy. Uh, I like the bit where he has to teach her how to drive a manual. Yeah, that was a fun scene. Yeah, 
I think it took me a sec to realize that this wasn't all happening in a span of like one week. This was happening over the whole summer. Yeah. I mean, they, they may get a point to say that she was like 16 weeks. So yeah, this was going to be going on for a little while. Mm -hmm. So we're basically getting to see their romance uh, expand and blossom. So it's during the driving scene, apparently that the two had amorous, the, the actors had amorous feelings for each other. And they both thought that if they had not, themselves been in their own relationships then they probably would have wanted to have started something after filming that scene oh yeah but they elected not to because they were being honorable to their significant others oh how about her telling dad that they did it yeah i thought that was that uh, that was ballsy that was ballsy i would never do that to my parents i wouldn't either you know i appreciate how uh Corey can tell that the two that Diane and Lloyd got together. Oh, that's she, right. Cause they're in the, the guitar, guitar store. store. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And she could, she could just tell. Yeah. And again, I, that, that speaks to uh, their friendship. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we, and we don't need to be told about it and we don't need a whole backstory on it. And at least for me and probably you, I'm assuming professor, we get it. We get how close they are as uh uh, uh, friends and even mm-hmm. the third one uh dc mm-hmm. is dc one i like that uh she even stands up to Corey. right she goes you never let me talk and then instead of it turning into a big old thing she says all right just talk you know and i, I appreciated the dialogue in, in that bit i know? love the later dialogue when it comes out that diane has told her dad and lloyd's like you told your dad yeah <laughs> i thought that was funny too <laughs> yeah um but yeah, so uh, Corey, you know, suggests buy her flowers, do this, do that. Write her uh, a letter. Write her a letter. Um, so I, I got to know, what part of all of that did you have a problem with? None. I, had, I didn't have a problem with any of that. You know, the friends are starting to be more encouraging. The friends are now seeming to be more on his side that this is going to work. And I love that fact that he wrote her a little letter. I thought that was cute. I used to do things like that all the time. <laughs> to your girlfriend in Canada? Something like that. <laughs> I had girlfriends. Uh, I, you know, I just assumed that you had a problem with it because you have a problem with this entire flick. So I'm just well, trying yeah. to call it out. I had girlfriends. They just went to different schools. Oh, I got you. I got you, buddy. I believe you. I'm a professor. <laughs> um. <laughs> and so now that the IRS confronts James again. Oh, yeah. They visit him at work. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, at, at this point in the story and how we're progressing, I really felt... I was certain he was innocent. They were just jerking him along, right? That's I, what I, I felt too. Yeah, because I, I, I was thinking there's no way they're going to make this guy a douchebag. I mean, I really buy his relationship with his daughter. I buy that he's a loving dad. Uh, his wife real- left him. And, you know, uh, the bit where she says, you know, I picked you. Five years ago, I you made me pick between mom and dad, and I picked you, dad. So I thought he was really, I thought he was the shit. I thought he was getting framed. I thought it was someone else working at the retirement home. That basically had been stealing money. Maybe. I, I don't think I put that much thought into it because if it was nothing, then they could just throw uh, uh, a throwaway line stating that, you know, because that's kind of how it came in. It came, out, it came in out of left field. So I thought it would go out, you know, right field. But, you know, as it turns out, it happened. What happens happens. Because when we are uh, with uh, the IRS at the retirement center, we see uh, Jim selflessly giving his services to the to the group, right? And then and then we see uh, 
Diane cut, cutting the checks. It's like, okay, this is a little family business that he does this. This is his life. Meanwhile, Lloyd has been calling Diane and uh, he pretty much thinks that it's over. So, but he calls her one more time. And I, I, I like that bit because he called out, you know, her standing there listening, which she was, and that her dad was sitting there listening, which he was. And so I thought that was some uh, clever writing yeah. at, at that bit. Again, another plot device to show just how well he knows her. He, his heart was broken. He was devastated. Have you ever had your heart broken? Well, don't I have to have a heart? That's a good broken. point. That's a good point. Professor, have you ever had your heart broken? Of course. Yeah. So, I mean, I bought that from him. And that eighth message when he says, you know, this is uh, the last message, you know. Um, and, and we've also, I'm guessing, have watched friends go through this torture. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Give it up. Just, no, just stop, you know. Yeah. And they don't. I yeah. love how his two sets of friends have differing opinions on how he should proceed. The two girls are, you know, kind of encouraging to encouraging him to make it work, to figure out a way to not be a boy, to be a man about it. And his other friends were like, let's go get wasted. We're going to go find a girl. You're going to start dating her and then you're going to dump her right away. Or we're just going to get you laid. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, need to find a girl that looks just like her, nail her, and then dump her, man. He said, I thought he said date her. Does he say nail her? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> the, 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 you're, you're, and then the next guy, your only mistake is that you didn't dump her first. Diane yeah. Cord is a show pony, and you need a stallion, my friend. Walk with us, and you walk tall. Who is that? Uh, I don't remember the actor's name. I was just name. about to call it out. Did you notice who was sitting there on that curb? Yeah, that's what I just said. Who was it? Jeremy Piven. That's right. That's Jeremy Piven. And, and then, the the dude uh, eating the Funyuns is the guy from The Rock. He's one of the bad military guys. Uh, Sean Connery, Nicolas Cage. Oh, yeah, and yeah. He's one of those that guys. When you see him. Oh, yes, I know who you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, you're like, oh, I know that guy. He's been in fucking everything. He was one of the last to die. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, that scene's awesome. I, I, yeah, because I, I love those those four friends sitting there like that. And then, and then after... Uh, and then I love the last one. It's it's the little one. Bitches, man. Oh, my God. That that little kid was so funny. Later to you, Luke. Yeah, that's cool. Did that make you laugh, Sean? Oh, yeah. No, I, I laughed at that scene. I thought that was a great scene. I also dug the whole tape recorder thing. You know, he's talking into the tape recorder. I was so confused about that at first. Uh, but then it's uh, no, because we didn't have they didn't have cell phones. So he couldn't call and talk to Corey. Mm-hmm. So he wanted to record what he was feeling at that moment because that's what kind of friends they were. So I thought that was kind of clever. There was a, At least that's how I took it. There was a scene where all that rain was coming down that he went into this box-shaped thing that had like a phone thing on in the box. What was that? You know, I haven't seen one of those since uh, uh, Bill and Ted. But yeah, and, and it's funny that you mentioned that scene because you know what the first thing I thought of when I saw that scene? Wow, they have a really good rain machine. Yeah. You know, it looked like, it looked like false rain, which, you know, Makes sense. They're supposed to be in Seattle. Did a, did Elise ask what that payphone thing was? No, she because I said you, what they're talking on is called a telephone, and she rolled her eyes and she said, "I know, Dad." Did you realize that commonly that milk is inserted into the artificial rain that they use in movies? Yeah, give it some uh, color, they, some depth. They need to have it uh, show up on on the film. Yeah, so that I did not know. What do you think of the scene in the car where she breaks up with him and gives him the pen? Uh, I, I thought, again, this was uh, some really good writing, and she did what she thought was right. And she was going to do, you know, I mean, come on, she's going to England. 
And she thought about giving it up. She thought about not going. And I think this scene, when she thinks about not going and the dad, you know, is like, no, you're going, you're going. I thought that was probably their best uh, interaction because at the end of that, she says, you know, but what it's me. Don't you care what I want? Essentially I'm paraphrasing Mm -hmm. of course. And he says, uh, just live, do what you want and live. I love you. And that's what a father does. It, It supports her. And so she made the decision to break it off with him. Sure. Her dad was an influence. I mean, but everyone has influences in their lives, mm-hmm. right? But ultimately, it was her decision, even though she loved him and she admitted that she loved him, she was doing what she thought was best. So I thought this scene really worked. And I like how Lloyd kept saying, so you are breaking up with me. I took it as it's just one of those days where anything can happen. When Lloyd woke up that morning, I'm sure he was not expecting to break up with the love of his life. And, you know, that's how fast life can turn you. And mm-hmm. I thought they good. I thought they did a good job at portraying that. I, I thought so too. I, I I think in general the writing in the movie is strong. I think the characters are, are well developed. I honestly thought that this was kind of the motif of how the movie was going to end, which is she whether they get back together or not, she is going off to school. If their love is strong enough, she'll be back in what four to six years, depending on if she goes to graduate school. They'll keep it going. They'll make it work. You know that they'll come back to each other. Uh, the way it ended, again, I had an issue with. But this, as I thought, was the responsible thing. Young love, it'll work if it's meant to work. Yeah, I mean, that that's one way of looking at it, for sure. And then we see Dad trying to make a purchase, but the credit card is declined. You know, when this, when this scene, and this was kind of the first bit where I thought, uh-oh, he might be in trouble. But I took this scene when it first started as, uh, oh, Daughter's going off to college. Now it's time for dad to move on. He's doing a little flirty flirty with the sales uh, lady. Uh, so I thought they were going to take him in that direction. But when the cards got declined, I, I thought, uh-oh, this motherfucker's in trouble. So I felt really bad for him. It's embarrassing, man. Yeah. How many times have you gotten shit declined at a store and you just got to walk out? I do, I do like what he says, though. He thanks her for being kind. You know, and she was, she was kind about it. So yeah, she basically even said to him, you know, it's telling me that I should cut your cards up, but I'm just going to give it back to you. Yeah. Yeah. So I really, uh, felt, uh, just how horrible he is feeling when we have the next camera shot. When he looks down and walks out, he's curled up in the bathtub. Oh my gosh. Yes, Absolutely. Yeah, such a that was a really powerful moment. Very, very strong. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. where I kind of felt the movie again was going in a kind of a slightly different focused direction of, you know, depending on her life, dreams, and goals, she was going to be there for her dad while he goes through this thing that he didn't really do. Like she was going to stand up for him, and that's why in the next scene, I think it was that she actually goes down to the IRS office and calls out the guy. Almost, um, almost there. Yeah, but you know, in that later scene where she does that. You know, that's just the continuation of she's there to protect her father. Yeah, well, that's what daughters do. Mm-hmm. I mean, ideally. Yeah, I never, again, did not see it going in the direction that it did. Yeah, yeah. So this is kind of the downfall. And you're right, him sitting in the tub. John Mahoney did a fantastic job in that scene. You know, uh, I felt his pain. Mm-hmm. So, And then we get, you know, the most iconic shot of this film. 
this is the first uh, scene you think of when anyone says say anything. Uh, this is the first, I mean, the song in your eyes, Peter Gabriel. And it's the first thing you think of. I fucking love that song. And if you don't love that song, you don't have a heart. And uh, yeah, so he's standing outside uh, her room with the boombox. Now, here's my question about this completely iconic scene. Didn't we see a shot of the front of the house early in the film? Yes. And when they're showing him, there are park benches behind him, and he looks like he's in a fucking park. But he's supposed to be either, uh, he's supposed to be on the side of the house. I don't know what side. It doesn't necessarily have to be the front. You know what I'm saying, right? Yeah, it, it looks curious because it, well, wait a minute. So wait, is that? So what are we looking at? Do you yeah. know the story behind that scene? No, I was hoping that you had something for me. Do you, Professor, know it? Uh, it was filmed in California. Well, the the house and where he is, that you know, her window, two different completely locations. He is actually in a park, and, and in reality, when they were filming it, he is facing a Seven Eleven. Yeah. Well, I, so you know, I, they were filmed at two different times. The other thing is is the uh, In Your Eyes was not originally playing on the boombox. They dubbed that in later. Wow. The song that was actually playing on it was a song called Turn the Other Way by Fishbone. Is that the, I wonder if that's the song that we heard in the original trailer, or at the end of the movie, because that's the the song we hear in that original trailer. Yeah, but know. anyways, who knows? Um, Did you also hear about that In Your Eyes was initially declined, turned down? Peter Gabriel was sent a script. Here's what we have in mind for the movie. Would you be willing to let us use your song? And he replied back saying, I, I feel flattered. Thank you for considering me, but I'm going to have to turn it down. Was this the, uh, the response that basically he responded with? I love the movie, but I don't like how he dies at the end and over an overdose. So what it comes down to is they sent him the wrong script. Oh, how funny. And so... Because he was sent the wrong script, he, it, it, apparently it's from the movie Wired. Mm-hmm. Oh. That's and, what I read. Yeah, absolutely. And so once they got, oh, <laughs> yeah, what? Who did that? Here's the script. Oh, and so he agreed to it then. Clearly, because now it's in the movie. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, dude, I fucking knew it wasn't in front of their house, and it takes me out of it for a brief moment, but I mean, it's the shot. I would say that I was somewhat of a Peter Gabriel fan uh, before that song came out. Uh, huge Peter Gabriel fan as of that song. That is one of my favorite songs by him. Yeah, it's a great song. I really dig it. Really and then it. we have Diane. She's going to get to the bottom of this whole IRS bullshit, and she decides to go down. All right, convince me. Yeah, and I like what she says. She says, uh, you know, just talk to me. Uh, everyone else, no one else will talk to me. Just talk to me, you know, like I'm an adult. And the dude kind of breaks down and says, okay, here's what we have. And I was thinking to myself, are they making that up? Is this true? And I kept, you know, they, they did the, the warning signs, right? Do you have lots of rugs? Do you have stuff that's over $9,000? And he specifically said that that jukebox, which both Elise and I want is a jukebox. Uh, he said that they spent you know, nine grand on that. And then I started thinking, oh, he gave her a car and no way are they going to make this dude actually guilty. I still felt like he was innocent because of her line that she gives of, you're just trying to make me say something. Yeah, that and when she goes home, she starts uh, searching for shit, right? Yep. And then she says the line, they made me doubt you. And then I'm like, okay, right on. He's totally innocent. And then he's not. 
She finds the cash. She finds the fucking cash. Speaking of cash, Diane finds the cash concealed at home and confronts Jim, who tells her he took it to give her financial independence. Jim feels justified in doing so as he provided better care for his residents than their families. Distraught, she reconciles with Lloyd at his kickboxing gym. At the end of the summer, Jim is incarcerated on a nine-month sentence. Lloyd visits him at the prison, saying he is going with Diane to Britain. Jim reacts with anger. Lloyd gives him a letter from Diane, but she arrives to say goodbye and they embrace. She gives him the pen that she gave Lloyd, asking him to write her in Britain. Lloyd comforts Diane, who's afraid of flying, on their flight. Roll credits. So yeah, she gets home and she finds the fucking cash. And so now we know fucking he's guilty, right? And so now this is kind of where everything kind of falls apart for her. And she, you know, I feel like she remembered what Lloyd said in his letter. You know, no matter what, I'll always be there for you. And she does love him. So she, she seeks him out because she needs him. Yeah, I know you see it that way. But again, first time seeing it, the reaction I took was that She's emotionally distraught, so her life's just been crushed. She doesn't have anybody else in her life, so she runs back to the guy that she dumped. She didn't want to dump him. Yeah, but... You, you missed that part, obviously. No, I missed... I didn't miss the part because she made... I thought she made the right decision in breaking it off because she was... You know, it pissed me off when she said that she was going to give up her future because she wanted to be with this guy. Sure. You know, she, her, her goals had changed or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's literally four years. I would be pissed... If my kid was going to give up everything for what could either be a flash in the pan, you know, could be just, you know, a love that comes and goes, or if it's a real love, it's going to work. I don't know if they needed to break up, but they could have said, can we put this on hold until I see where my life is going? But now, you know, after going through all that and the breakup and everything, she runs right back to him because, you know, that's her emotional crutch is kind of how I took it. Oh, so you think of her as weak-willed. Yeah. Absolutely, because in the beginning, her father was kind of running the show. She didn't seem to have a will of her own. We don't know for sure if that's a fact, but it didn't seem like he was calling all the shots to the point where he even convinced her to break up. All right, hang she, on. she didn't have a strong will if, if he could convince her to break up with this guy that she was willing to uproot her whole life over, her okay. whole goals. So hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, so you think that she is uh, weak-willed but let's let's think about this for one second. Who does she have? Her father. No, he's going to jail. Who does she have? That's what I'm saying. All she had left was Lloyd. Right. I'm asking you, who does she have? Nobody else. Nobody. But she does love this guy. Do you believe that she loved him? That's what I don't know for sure because you get the impression that this is her first relationship she's ever been in because she's focused so much on... So I'm going to go ahead and say you say no. You don't believe that she loves him. I think it was a crush. Okay. I got that impression. Do you believe that she loved him? Yeah. Yeah. So did I. So, um, I don't, I don't see it that way. I thought that she was devastated and she went to the person that she knew or who said that he would be there for her and she had to try. Right. Cause at the end of the day, she didn't give up anything. She's still going to fucking Britain. And, uh, she went and she, uh, she, she goes to Lloyd and Lloyd is, I mean, Lloyd is skeptical at first too. Right. I mean, he doesn't want to get hurt again. So it's a matter of them putting their hearts out there and, you know, taking a leap of faith, like we said earlier. Well, you just said a second ago, you asked me if you, if I thought she was weak willed, do you think she was strong willed? I think she was strong because she had to be. 
I feel like, you know, at first she's willing to give up everything. But to she be doesn't. I know, but that's what she's willing. It wasn't until her dad convinced her to break up with Lloyd. So again, Lloyd can kind of in a way convinced her to give up her dreams, what not on purpose, not outright. And then the dad immediately turns her around, you know, and puts her in a direction of breaking up with him. I don't see that as strong will. He gave a suggestion breaking up with Lloyd, right? But at the end of that conversation, what does he say? Do what you're going to do. Live. I love you. So if she, really she made him. the choice. So you're, and that's, you have to be strong willed to make those kinds of choices. I don't know. If she really loved him, would she have made that choice on her own? Of breaking break up with? Of breaking yes, up with absolutely. She did make that choice on her own. You, we can argue all day that she didn't, but at the end of the day, uh, John, uh, the, the dad says, go live your life. Don't, I mean, don't listen to me, essentially, is what he says. So, I mean, that's all on her. So I think she's very strong-willed, and I think that she um, is following her heart, and she was brokenhearted, and she's going through a lot of shit with her dad, and she needed somebody, and she knows, I believe, that she loved Lloyd. So it just, I mean, it's natural for them to go to her. The next step, though, is what did you think of the kickboxing scene where he gets his nose broken? Oh, my God, I laughed so hard. I thought that was so funny. I like the, the fact that that that's that he was so distracted by yeah. Diane, yeah. and then he got t boned. Yeah. <laughs> He's now, so out of the blue. <laughs> you're pretty good at catching goofs in a movie, and I don't know if this is a goof or not. But did you catch something that seemed a little off in that scene? It depends. What are you talking about? Uh, when he gets his nose broken and his nose is bleeding, and then they have their discussion and they decide to get back together and they hug. Did you notice that when his face came over her shoulder, his nose was no longer bleeding? But the second before that, he had blood just all over his, you know, underneath his nose. No, I didn't notice. I did not. Well, go go back and watch that scene because I noticed the blood completely disappeared. Now, maybe he wiped it on her as he was going to hug her. That's I don't know. But it was completely gone from his nose. So Diane does actually, she does actually have somebody else that she could have gone to. We do have one brief scene where she meets with her mother. Uh, I think that relationship is estranged, and yeah. I think she felt more. Yeah, but but I guess technically, yeah. you're correct. She did have but one. Person. I have to say, watching it to me, it felt completely natural that she would go to Lloyd. And I have, in my younger days, watched relationships that kind of sort of sputter. You know. Oh, they're together again. No, they broke up again. Don't, don't get back together. Oh, they're together again. I mean, I have seen, I have seen in my younger days, you know, friends that do that. Oh yeah. Now my, my biggest concern again with this, and and I know I'm beating a dead horse here, uh, but when it comes to this, you know, she's kind of had this father figure in her life, the whole life that was her crutch. It was her person that she went to for everything. It was her emotional um, how do I put it? Basically was the stability in her life was her father. You know, she chose him. As soon as the father is taken out of her life, she runs to the next fatherly figure. And that's just my concern. My first thought would be, is that what this relationship's going to turn into? He's basically now filling the void that the father has been removed from. No God, way. You overthink things. No way. In a weird you way. You don't see that? No. no. What? No because way. I've known a lot of women who basically get into relationships that turn out to be bad relationships because they are just trying to fix that void that was left by not having a fatherly figure in their life. Did I get that out of this film? No. Okay. Um, you know, so 
Yeah, Diane and uh, Lloyd, they are two young people in love and they are with each other. It is not about her trying to supplant a father figure into her life again. Absolutely not. So let me ask you this. Do you think that they were, do you think they were in love? Oh, wait, no, you already answered that. You said no. I, um, no, I, to let me answer that real quick. For me in this movie, I don't feel like we really got a good impression. It was too quick to see if they were in love or if it was just infatuation and the fact that she's never really been in a relationship before. So who knows, does she even know what, you know, to her, what really what love is? When she went back to him, there was no talk at all about come to Britain with me. It was just, she wanted to be with him and he didn't care what the reason was because he just wanted to be with her. There was no talk of future. It was, we just want to be together. But Don brought up a great point of who else did she have? So if she's got to run to somebody, she needs a shoulder to cry on. Who's the first person she's going to think of, which is her ex-boyfriend. You know, in, in my relationships, you know, I've had, you know, whether both ways where, you know, I break up with someone or someone breaks up with me. We get in, you know, some drama, some happens. And the first person we want to text or call is our ex. So who knows why she really ran back to him? You know, it could be love. It could be infatuation. It could be that she had nobody else. I have so many things that I could say to that. Do you like how Jim's fate is decided is his prison time. Oh my, that was so funny. What do you say? Uh, f- uh, $50,000 in three months. And the dude's like, no, <laughs> it was decided on a freaking legal pad as you're just sitting there eating food. Did you notice the food? It was McDonald's. Did you guys notice the, uh, old timey, uh, packaging? I did not pay attention to the packaging. Elise goes, is that styrofoam? And I'm like, yeah, big Macs used to come in styrofoam. <laughs> So yeah, I thought that was bit was good. What did it end up as? Uh, nine months yep. and a hundred grand or one hundred fifty grand, something like that. Yeah. So yeah, he's getting out in nine months. Um. So Lloyd goes to see him on behalf of Diane, who is in the car, and I thought this was a a, a pretty good bit too. Jim is mad. He's pissed. He's incarcerated, right? And now on top of that, his daughter won't talk to him. And I couldn't imagine that. I couldn't imagine going through a, a single day uh, without my daughter talking to me or with my daughter being mad at me. So, you know, I'm sure we'll get there. And I'm sure there's going to be days where she hates me. But, you know, uh, I couldn't imagine that. I did think that the scene uh, really showed that Lloyd was a stand-up guy. So Diane decides to see her dad before she leaves. Yeah. I thought that was a tender moment. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that she was learning to forgive and, you know, it'll probably take some time, but you know, she did the right choice because she's leaving. She's going on a jet plane and I love the fact that Lloyd's going with her. And then you have the scene of him packing up and turning up the music, which is a nod back to the beginning and says goodbye to his nephew. And Mm -hmm. what does he have to lose? He's already said that he doesn't know what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's he's excited to go find out in a new country. He's ready to take that that leap of faith. Yeah, absolutely. And I love the bit at the end. I love the I love the bit when they're on the plane. The plane, the small talk of the plane, and then oh, that that's normal. That that's normal yep. sound. Yep. And then they're waiting for that ding. And then I knew as soon as they said they're waiting on the ding. You know, as soon as we hear the ding, it's gonna cut to black. So yeah, uh, I like to think of it as they went to Europe and lived happily ever after. That's how it felt inside my head, too. Yeah. John? I will leave that for my review. Yeah, well, all right. Well, there you go. 
So what do you think? Is it time to rate this bitch? I think it's time to rate this bitch. Professor, how do we rate our movies? We rate our movies on a scale of one to five F-bombs. And I'm not talking about fun bombs. I'm talking about fucks. That's right. So a five, five fucks is a movie that is cinematic gold. This is a movie that you are ready to watch right now. Anytime. If you just walked out of the theater, I'm ready to watch it right now. A one, a one fuck movie is a movie. It's one and done. You've seen it and you have no desire whatsoever to ever see it again. And what is a zero? Zero is somebody owes me two hours of my life back. Fuck you for making me watch that. I am pissed. I feel that we have a zero coming in our future, but you know. I am not going to take that bet. I I, I got to go last. So People, people okay. have accused me of hating movies before and then giving it like a four or five. So yeah. Oh, no. I mean, we, you've already, we've already determined that this is going to be a very low, low score. All right, Professor, you have a fun nostalgia for this movie. Why don't you go first? I very much enjoy this movie. This is a movie that I've seen uh, several times uh, in my younger days. It was, uh, it was a repeat movie that the group and I would watch again. And one of my friends is certainly Lloyd Dobler. And I have very fond feelings for the writing of this movie. I've, I really felt for the characters. Lloyd and Diane and Jim, all three of these characters, I, I really liked all three of these characters. It was heartbreaking initially to have Jim end up being guilty, but in the end, that was the, uh, that was the push that Diane needed to become her own person and be who she was going to end up being, that being, you know, I'm going out on my own and I'm going to be my own person, and I appreciated that. I think that Cameron Crowe did a nice job uh, having this be his uh, directorial debut. And it's probably, the, um, it's probably my favorite Cameron Crowe movie. Uh, I, I enjoyed uh, Singles. Singles was a fun watch. Uh, I, I, I think Jerry Maguire is okay. Uh, it's got Tom Cruise in it, so that kind of sort of works against it, kind of sort of. Right, because Tom Cruise is in it, it's like, eh, do I want to watch that again anytime soon? And I also really appreciated the movie being in Seattle. That was exciting for me to watch initially in the theater. It's like, hey, I know where that is. So I appreciated that too. I hadn't seen the movie in many years, but I have to say several of the lines came back, and there are uh, several lines that over the years uh, me and my friends would, would quote I want to get hurt. You know, there, are, there are definitely several lines that I love. And uh, Luke, bitches, man. I have said that inside my head countless times. And so I think for me, I'm going to give this 3.5 fucks. 3.5 fucks coming from the professor. All right. All right. <clears throat> um, You're... You go next. Yeah, well, because I have. John goes last. Right, because, I mean, he's got this eight-page paragraph of why. It's like, a manifesto, probably. Right, of why this is creepy. Because I'm obsessed with it. Well, that just means you're creepy, dude. So, all right, say anything. I don't remember a lot about this film. Uh, I know I saw it back in probably the early 90s or maybe even when it came out. I can't remember. But um, this has been, you know, uh, recognized as a classic 80s movie by anyone you talk to. Uh, it's on a dozen lists of best of uh, coming out of the 80s, best lines, best soundtrack, any uh, you name it. Uh, 
as far as it being Cameron Crowe's first venture out of the gate, uh, not bad. You know, he told a very coherent story. It uh, took kind of a weird turn with the whole IRS thing, but it is what it is. Um, he goes on to make some great movies. I think Almost Famous is my favorite Cameron Crowe movie. I, I really enjoy uh, Almost Famous and one of my favorite scenes ever in any movie is when they're singing Tiny Dancer on the Bus, mm. but we'll get into that another time. Uh, Jerry Maguire was fine. You know, uh, he did, Cameron Crowe did make a documentary called Pearl Jam 20. And if you were a fan of Pearl Jam, check it out because it's a fascinating documentary. I really liked it. But anyways, I digress. Uh, I thought it was, I thought Say Anything was well-written. I thought it was well-cast. Uh, the soundtrack, there's a lot of good tunes in there if you just listen closely to it. I thought uh, John Cusack is so charismatic, and I thought he did a fantastic job as Lloyd. Um, I bought that he really um, had a crush, if you will, on this uh, girl. And uh, as you know, in life, crushes develop into more things. And I thought that this movie did a good job in progressing um, the way the story went. And they didn't make it all about sex. Right. Uh, they didn't make it all about the physical attraction uh, that people go through. They made it more uh, with the heart. And, and I really appreciated that, too. Um, so, yeah, say anything. Good film. Cameron Crow fan. John Cusack. Love him. Uh, Ioni Sky. She did well for this part. John Mahoney did great as the father. Again, I didn't see that twist come in. And kind of weird kind of makes you feel weird afterwards but you know you go with it because it's the uh it's the movie so for me i'm going to give say anything three solid fucks okay i guess that leaves us with john all right hang on i want to get comfortable because you know i don't um, he's gonna read it from his phone so either he wrote it or well we know what happened they wrote it I like that. They wrote it. <laughs> the real question is, am I going to be able to get through this without you interrupting me? I'm going to try. I really am. Why don't and you just mute yourself right now? No, because if I say something, then it'll come over the top and it's just more editing. And, and you're me. absolutely right. I did write this down. I wrote this down uh, right after. I wanted to get my first impressions after seeing this movie. Well, well, good for you. All right. I'm going to sit back, relax, and try and keep my mouth shut. I, I do want to preface this. We all have the movies that we love. We have movies that we hate. I love Flash Gordon. You guys didn't care for it as much. You know, we we have those movies that we're into. And I had heard about this movie for years. Um, people had always recommended this to me because I was a big fan of romantic movies. A little bit about me that people may not know is all throughout college and even after that, I taught a romance and relationship seminar. In fact, it was so popular that I actually have a website that I've run for over 20 years that actually has been featured in a lot of magazines and newspapers, and it's still running today. So I'm a big fan of love, romance, and relationships. And people, like I said, had recommended this to me, movie to me, and I wanted to love it. You know, looking at the cast, I love the cast. I love John Cusack. Better Off Dead is one of my favorite movies. If we were reviewing that movie right now, I would easily give that a four or a five just because it cracks me up every time I see it. Uh, regarding Cameron Crowe, I love a lot of Cameron Crowe movies. I like, you know, Jerry Maguire. I thought that was a good movie. I'm, you know, I don't hate on Tom Cruise because there are things I love in, that he's in and I, there are things I don't love. Almost Famous, great movie. He wrote, as we mentioned earlier, Fast Times at Richmond High. 
that's in my easily in my wheel well of my top 20 movies. So anyway, in this John Hughes wannabe written movie, Lloyd is a guy with no life ambitions. He lives with his stressed out single mother sister because his military parents dropped him off. He stalks a Stepford daughter who has lived in a bubble while her life was controlled by her criminal father, who has secretly been stealing from the elderly patients that are in the retirement home that he runs and that trusted him. In the end, her bubble pops and she's emotionally devastated. Her father is sent to prison and she decides to go on and try to live her life. The man, she ends up getting back together with Lloyd who emotionally latches onto her to live vicariously through her while she goes to England and builds her future. That's kind of how I saw this movie. I didn't see it as this great love story. I saw it as an emotional upheaval that just created a relationship that honestly, I don't have faith in lasting in this relationship because I see so many red flags, so many warnings. That took me out of this movie. I thought the acting was terrific. I thought the locations were great. It was great to see Seattle. I even thought, you know, the camera shots, all of that, you know, it was very well done. The story took me out of it because I saw, I didn't see a pretty in pink or I didn't see, you know, a, some kind of wonderful. I didn't see that, that romance that, you know, and again, maybe it's because I saw it today and I didn't see it back then, but I didn't see that bond like other ones have. I saw this, you know, two people who've had a lot of emotional scars incurred on their lives, whether it was from Lloyd with his parents abandoning him right before he graduates from high school and one of the you know biggest events of his life, you know, being with a sister who kind of seems like she regrets him being there, you know, things like that. And the fact that, you know, he's just grown obsessed with this girl, again, doesn't do anything negative or horrible to her. In fact, they seem to have a nice relationship or fling or whatever it is, I felt like it was more like a, a deep crush than a forever love. Who knows? Could be wrong. Maybe we have to wait for the sequel to see what happens. But I didn't feel that connection from them. I didn't feel like it was anything more than a first relationship. So for that reason, you know, I've been trying to debate on what score I was going to give it. And it all comes down to, did I get anything out of the movie? Did it feel like a movie I'd ever want to watch again? And I'm like, am I glad I saw it? And to be honest, I wish I could actually reverse time and go back to just enjoying what other people told me about this movie and not what I actually saw and what I actually felt. So for that reason, I'm giving it a zero because I do want my time back. And again, I, I kind of wish I didn't see it. All right. Well, there you go. So there you go. Yeah. Uh, is this your first zero? Yes. I believe this is my first zero. It is. He gives Say Anything a zero. Zero fucks. He, could, he couldn't give a fuck about this movie. All right. So uh, that's going to, I think, uh, put Say Anything to bed. Are you, are you happy we're done with it now? Yes, I am. So that is Say Anything. Yeah. Uh, so now comes the time in the podcast where we are going to select our next film. And normally we would be pulling a movie out of our Bronco helmet, but this week is a special week. Uh, our next podcast next Thursday, uh, we will be reviewing the new film, the Batman sparkly Batman. Are you excited about this movie at all? Uh, I am curious 
about this movie. I wouldn't call it exciting if you called me on Thursday afternoon and said, hey, something's happened. I lost tickets, theater burned down, whatever. I don't think I would lose my shit over it by any means. I'm conservatively optimistic in a very demure sense. Yeah. All right. So that is going to wrap it up for this episode of Three Guys in a Flick. Um, I want to thank again Tatiana for throwing Say Anything into the helmet. Uh, I had fun watching it. I'm sure the professor I, had. I definitely enjoyed watching it. Watched it with a wife. She enjoyed watching No, I watched it with Katie, and she enjoyed it. Yeah, and John couldn't give a fuck about it, but, you know, to each his own. Uh, so thanks again for throwing that in the hat. Thanks to everyone who listens to us, especially Zach, Ronnie, and Jill. And, hey, John, where can they find us? As always, they can find us at our website, threeguysandaflick.com, where we, after the show, we go ahead and we post the show notes as well as some other information, photos, uh, links, everything we can think of about the movie. We post it with the podcast. They can find us at Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. They can find us on the various podcasting hosting sites, including iTunes, Podbeam. They can find us on TikTok. Um, we try to put ourselves out there everywhere. And if you can, you can take a moment um, Wherever you view us, please go ahead and, you know, save that link, subscribe, go ahead and tell your friends, add a comment. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got a movie suggestion, go to our website and submit one. So that's where they can find us. All right. So for three guys in a flick, I'm Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening. website and submit one tatiana you you have some uh, tatiana you have submitted a great in breakfast club not sure about say anything because like i said i had to give it a zero but i'm sure you love that movie so anyway you can cut all that out. yeah what the fuck was that i'm going on i was trying to say that yeah all right fuck off good night